Welcome to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. And now the original Bitcoin boomer, Gary Leland. And welcome to today's show. As you said, I'm Gary Leland, the Bitcoin boomer. And you're watching the Bitcoin boomer sh for boomers show here at Biz TV Studios in Dallas, Fort Worth. We have actually got a great show for you today. You're going to enjoy the show so much that I'm telling you, you need to get the rest of the family or anyone you know around to watch the show because we're going to try to educate you on Bitcoin. That's what this show is about, education. I don't have any Bitcoin to sell you. I'm not selling Bitcoin. I won't even have a commercial about selling Bitcoin. I'm trying to educate you and teach you a little bit about Bitcoin. That's all my goal is today. Today, we're joined by Guy Swan. Guy Swan is a Bitcoiner from North Carolina, and he does records Audible books. If you've ever listened to a book on Audible, you know what I'm talking about. Guy records books about Bitcoin. That's all he records books about because that's what he's interested in. And because he's so interested in Bitcoin, the books he reads are great. And he's building a, a strong brand for himself reading books. You're going to enjoy the conversation with Guy. I promise you, I enjoy Guy so much. And his motto is he reads more about Bitcoin than anyone you know. And I believe that's probably true. So I'm going to have to go with Guy on that, even though I give him a hard time at other times. At the end, I'm going to wrap it up with a little bit of information about private and public keys. You know, when you buy Bitcoin, maybe you don't know, but when you buy Bitcoin, it's safer to keep it on your own wallet rather than on an exchange. And if you have a Bitcoin wallet, then it has a public and private key. These are very important, and some people just don't understand what keys are, much less what the difference is between public and private keys. So we're going to go over that at the end of the show. Plus, we have questions for, from the audience or from viewers. And if you do have a question ever, send it to us at GaryLeland at gmail.com. want to let you know that right now. If you have a question you want us to answer on the show, send it to us, and we'll answer your question on the show. But we have great questions. All in all, this is going to be one of our best shows yet. So get back, sit back, relax, get your popcorn out, get your drinks ready, because you're not going to want to miss anything coming up on this episode of the Bitcoin for Boomers. I promise you, you're going to have a good time, and you're going to learn something about Bitcoin. That's the goal. The number one goal is to teach you something about Bitcoin. So I hope that works, because that's my plan on the Bitcoin for Boomers show. See you in just a minute right after this word. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. And I'm your host, Gary Leland. You know, there's a lot of stuff happening for Bitcoin every day, every week, every month. And that's what we're trying to do is teach you and educate you on what Bitcoin is and what's going to happen with it. This show is not just for boomers. It's for anyone that wants to learn about Bitcoin. And speaking of learning about Bitcoin, that involves questions sometimes. And sometimes we get questions from people just like you watching the show. If you do have a question you would like to see answered or have answered, send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's GaryLeland at gmail.com. And we'll try to answer it on the show for you. Travis? As the producer, that's your job to have the questions. You got one for me today? That's right, yes. We got a question from Tim in Texas, and he's curious, how much will a Bitcoin be worth in one year, five years, uh, ten years, any time like that? Well, Tim in Texas, 
That's a good there. That double alliteration, Tim in Texas there. You got a good, you got a good name and you're from a great state, Tim. But I have no idea what Bitcoin's going to cost in one year, five years, or ten years. I think it's going to be up, and I think it's going to be a lot, but I'm not a financial advisor. So this is another one of those answers or questions I'm not even going to give you a good answer to because I don't have one. But I believe that, you, that Bitcoin will be life-changing, a revolution in the economy. It will change everything. So in those terms, I would have to say Bitcoin is going to be worth a lot, especially in 10 years. But I can't give you a dollar amount. So thanks for your questions. And remember, if you do have a question, send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com. Now, in today's show, we have a great guest, a good friend of mine from North Carolina. We have Guy Swan. Guy, welcome to the show, dude. What's up, man? Hey, what'd you Appreciate think? Of, what was your answer me. to that question, Guy? I always oh, ask my guests um, how they'd answer that question. Yeah, I uh, obviously, obviously nobody knows. Nobody has a clue what the price is actually going to be. But I look at it as particularly before uh, kind of the technology is rolled out and we have an, an entire industry that can support like a global retail payment system. Just what Bitcoin does as a unique digital asset is it, it performs the role of gold better than gold does. It is, it is easier to transport. It is harder to confiscate. Um, it, uh, it is actually a harder asset than gold. Like it's, it's more scarce. Its inflation rate is lower. Well, not quite yet, but it will be um, in pretty short order now. Um, and in the digital world, like, like our world is getting more and more digital. And I don't see how at some point as it kind of infiltrates into the minds of everybody and becomes more widely known that it does not match the market capitalization of gold, which is nine or ten trillion dollar market cap. I think it's that important and significant of an asset. Um, and that puts it somewhere in the 300,000 to 400,000 per Bitcoin range. Time, time wise, I don't have the slightest clue, but that is kind of a long-term uh, uh, idea I have of what, what market it can absolutely serve. Well, you know, I hear people now talking about the dollar. You know, the dollar is really dropping um, mm -hmm. in value. Right now, I think on the, I can't, I can't think of the name of the chart that shows the value of the dollar. I'm sorry, I can't think of the top of my head, but a dollar is worth like 93 uh, 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 cents or something right now uh, in that charting I was watching. And a lot of people are worried about the value of the dollar and saying that the dollar needs to go back. What I'm getting at here is they're saying the dollar needs to go back to being backed by gold. And mm -hmm. I think that never in history has a, a, a currency come back and gold was a currency and then we left the gold and we went to the dollar. Never in the history of mankind has an old currency come back. And now with the digital age, uh, I, you're going to have to have someone hold your gold if you're going to use it digitally. So why yeah, would you yeah. do that instead of just having Bitcoin that is digital money and you can be your own bank? So uh, yeah. I want your thoughts on gold coming back and being the currency if the dollar starts to fail. I I can see the I can see central banks trying to hedge their bets and trying to shore up their currency by having a by, by some attempt to re-implement the gold standard. But kind of the problem there is that we lost trust in the central banks, like particularly if we lose 
if you're talking about like you know a potential future where you actually have a currency crisis in the dollar like this is based on trust it's not like they can just be like oh now it's backed by gold like that's what they said that led us here and then they just stopped doing that like the trust doesn't come back it's just going to they're going to be seen as even more incompetent as they've been railing against the gold standard for 50 some odd years right. and talking about how it's terrible and now it's going to save us you know like they've they've buried themselves in such a huge hole that i don't see any way out and the millennials the the younger generations they are going to want something digital they are going to see something uh they're not going to trust these institutions they're not the default their whole lives they've been untrustworthy they've been corrupt they've been just bailing everybody out except for the people who are paying for it all um and i don't see them suddenly going oh yeah these are the these are the good guys that we should now trust with all the money like i agree completely and that chart by the way i was trying to come up. up with was the u.s dollar index the dxy i've been, i've just okay, started gotcha. following that and that's pretty um it's pretty amazing when you watch the chart and see what the value of the dollar has gone down to but uh, oh, yeah. before we go any further though tell us a little bit about yourself your, your involvement in the bitcoin world because we just jumped right into it didn't tell <laughs> anyone who you were except your name so let's go get into that a little bit what is your involvement in the world of Bitcoin besides being the guy who reads the second most stuff about Bitcoin than anyone we know? The most. The most. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Guy Swan, the guy who's read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know, including Gary Leland. <laughs> um, and uh, I uh, host a podcast. Um, I just try to teach everything there is to know about Bitcoin. Um, uh, the main format of the show is I, I seek out all of the best works. There's some of these essential works and such a rich, long history of Bitcoin and monetary history and economics and the technology that led up to this and how many different protocols were attempted and failed prior to Bitcoin. Like most people think that just Bitcoin just kind of existed and it's actually just kind of got it, there's there's so much that went into it and it's so fascinating from a hundred different perspectives. And so I read those aloud on Bitcoin Audible, the podcast, and talk about them. I give them, I give guys take after to you know expand on the ideas or re-explain stuff that was kind of confusing. Or um, and we're at today 424 reads. Um, I do a lot of solo episodes and some interviews as well. But I, I literally, after just I guess two years ago, three years ago now. I just decided to drop everything and devote it all to Bitcoin. There was nothing that I thought was as important, um, had the, the growth potential and the ability to impact where we were going in the future that could even come close to competing with Bitcoin in my, in my mind. And that, that was that, like uh, I had to devote to it or I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't gonna get anything else done. <laughs> well, so, you yeah. know, I, I'm a listener, avid listener of your show. You have some great, you read some great information. So, yeah, you know how Audible, it. when you're reading Audible, people, or you're listening to Audible and books, people count that as reading? Well, see, <laughs> I read oh. a lot of stuff, and then I listen to yours, so I oh, listen. that's true. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. For anyone that's who doesn't cheating. know, I always give Guy a hard time that I, <laughs> I read more than he does. And he probably does read more than I do, but it's fun to give him a hard time about it. Guy, I also want to go over, though, um, your work in the Audible book section and get into reading material. 
And we're going to do mm -hmm. that in the next segment because we're getting ready to take All a right. break. But I want to get you prepared because you do, we only have a minute left, but you do spend a lot of time now reading books for Audible. Uh, that's kind of like right. a new part of your business or a new career move for you. And I want to cover that in just a moment. So we're going to come right. back and cover that in just a moment. So stick with us. And everybody, I hope you stick with us because we're going to cover a lot of fine information here about Bitcoin. And like I said earlier, this is the Bitcoin for Boomer show, but I'm the boomer. So you don't have to be a boomer to watch this show. Anyone can watch this show and enjoy it. It's not just for boomers. I also want to make sure and take this moment to tell you about another show I do, the four minute Bitcoin show. I think you'll find this show great. If you want to learn about Bitcoin every day, Monday through Friday, every weekday, I should say, I do one show, one story about Bitcoin in four minutes or less. So you can learn about Bitcoin pretty easy, just one article a day. So we'll join and get back with you in just a minute. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomer show. I'm Gary Leland, your host, the original Bitcoin Boomer. We're recording live here in Dallas-Fort Worth is at the Biz TV Studios. So I hope you took some time during that break to tell someone to join this show and watch it and learn about Bitcoin. Now let's get back to our guest, Guy Swan, the guy who's read more about Bitcoin than anyone you know. And, and probably, they definitely, Represent. you've read more Bitcoin than anyone they know. So Guy, I want to get back <laughs> to our list of books. The next one is Jimmy Swan's Little Bitcoin Books. And for those who just joined us, we're talking about books about Bitcoin. Got, this is another book that Guy has read for Audible. It's a great book. You know, Stefan Levera, when I was on his show, Stefan's out of Australia, we were talking about boomers and Bitcoins and books you'd recommend to boomers to read. And I had not read this book yet, even though Jimmy had sent me a copy. And mm -hmm. I, after talking to him, I said, I got to read this book. I think I'm, I'm missing the boat on something here. And I just never gotten around to it. And it's a great little book on Bitcoin, the little Bitcoin book. Tell us your thoughts. Uh, yeah, um, uh, it's a really good introduction. What's cool is that they actually did a, a sort of a book sprint, um, and, they, and they lay that out at the beginning of the book. Um, and it's written by, uh, I'm not going to remember all the authors, but um, uh, Elena Vranova, Jimmy Song, like you mentioned, um, Alex Gladstein, uh, Timmy Ajiboye. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to get the whole list. Um, but it, it's a whole lot of people from different like human rights foundation from within Bitcoin, from uh, activists to privacy activists, like everybody coming together. They they were at an event of some sort and they had all been talking and every one of them from their different perspectives were seeing how impactful Bitcoin could be in the world for for all these various different reasons, how how even just seemingly one thing could have an impact on such a huge variety of like areas and and characteristics about our world and more importantly for about individual sovereignty and freedom from people in despotic governments um uh, under capital controls um all of these sorts of things and so they literally got together they basically locked themselves in a house uh, for like a couple of weeks and they were like we're gonna have a book at the end of this about what is important about Bitcoin to all of us and in all the different ways and we're gonna tell it like a story um, and that's what they do and they do it's an amazing collection of like different narratives and how 
uh, Bitcoin would affect that in this day and age? How does Bitcoin change some of these injustices that we see around the world? Uh, some of these lack, the, the lack of freedom, the lack of privacy that we are increasingly getting um, uh, moving into the future. And uh, it's just one of those that it's, all, it's also specifically really good for someone who has no introduction to Bitcoin. Um, like really kind of starting from scratch, it's what does Bitcoin mean uh, sort of book. And it's the little Bitcoin book. And it's it's definitely, I, in fact, I think this was the first one that I read, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's a great oh, for Audible. It, it's really highly recommended. Yeah. 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 I, like I said, I was uh, embarrassed that I had the book on my shelf and I had not read it. And uh, when Stefan asked me what I thought about it, I was like, I had browsed through it, but I had not read it. And then after I read it, I had a whole new thought about the book. So I think yeah. that's a pretty good starter list for people who want to find out about Bitcoin. And I would, I would actually put it in the direction of, on those three books, I would start out with Inventing Bitcoin, then I would go to Little Bitcoin Book, and then I would go to the Bitcoin Standard, uh, personally. Okay. Um, uh, I, I just think that'd be a good way to educate yourself about Bitcoin. And you got two little yeah. books, and then you really get into the meat of it, of everything with Safe's book, the Bitcoin Standard. Yeah. Um, but I think you probably could flip those first two either way. But I, uh, I don't think it makes a difference which one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So yeah, both of those are good introductory pieces. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So I want to ask you another question I ask everybody. Um, and like I said, this show is for people trying to learn about Bitcoin, whether they're boomers or not. So since we're talking to beginners, in your definition, what is Bitcoin? Um, in the same way that the Internet uh, created a permissionless, open platform for anyone to communicate, for anyone to set up a business, a service, a website, um, just an open communications platform that there is no center for, there is no owner of the internet. Bitcoin is that for money. Right now, money is nothing but a bunch of walled gardens and a giant hierarchy of authority. You only own anything in the legacy financial system because you have the permission, you have the explicit ownership granted to you by the institution that's controlling it. But you don't really own any of it. If they change their mind, it's not there. You know, and we've seen this numerous times. Cyprus just decided that they have a currency crisis and they're just like, well, we're just going to cut 20% out of everybody's account across the board. And that's just, that's how you're going to, we're going to pay for the fact that we were irresponsible with all of your funds. Um, and all the way back, like uh, up the ladder at the end of the day, it's, it's the fed wire. Like it's, it's the federal reserve. Do they decide that you own it? Um, if, if you're of the wrong political persuasion, uh, in the wrong country, well, then your accounts are frozen. WikiLeaks had $40 million frozen because they told about the crimes and murders of the wrong people. They talked about people in power doing terrible things, and they got confiscated $40 million. Um, and Bitcoin is an open alternative to that. It does not run on that system, that has no hierarchy, that has no person that's giving you permission to own it. You simply do own it, and Bitcoin is the ultimate arbiter of what is and what is not. 
Well, that's a pretty good definition there. And two things we want to cover here real quick in your definition. Number one, many people may not know about Cyprus giving everybody's yep. bank accounts a hedge haircut. But mm -hmm. one day, Cyprus was in financial trouble and they needed money. So they just took money from everybody across the board. And you yep. said it was 20%? Is that what um, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what it yeah, was. I, I think it was, it was closer uh, to 10, but whatever it was, it doesn't matter. It's the fact somewhere in there. they went and took the principal. <laughs> yeah, money out of everyone's account. Everybody just woke up one day and they were missing money in their bank accounts. And they were told mm -hmm. that it was their duty as a citizen to give this money to the government that had wasted it and spent it on things of no value that had not watched their yeah. money. You know, you budget your yeah. money, but the government doesn't budget theirs, so they just take it from you. So, yeah. uh, and what's funny, the exact same is that, sorry, the exact same thing is happening with a bailout. Like you're, you're actually getting haircut. You just don't know it for a couple of years. You pay for it in the price of education, the price of healthcare, price of your mortgage, uh, price of your car. Like you just but see the price assets. Of inflation all, is what you're saying. The inflation of all the assets. Yeah. The hidden cost tax. of living goes up. The hidden mm -hmm. tax, which the federal government, the fed says they are very happy if they can keep inflation to 2%. So if you lose 2% of the value of your money, if you're saving cash money, if you have money under your mattress, which I doubt many people do, it's worth 2% less every year. So you're losing money every year and they're happy with 2%. But now, like I said, with the way they're printing money, or like you just said, that's gotta be getting ready to start hitting four or five and 6% a year, you're gonna lose in value of your money. And to me, yeah. That should be a crime by itself. And, yeah. and that's what Bitcoin prevents. There's no one spending your Bitcoin for you. No one saying, hey, we're going to make this Bitcoin worth less. There's 21 million Bitcoin, and that's all there'll ever be, no matter what happens. I can tell you how many Bitcoins were made today. I can tell you how many will be made tomorrow. I can tell you how many are going to be made 30 years from now. I can tell you how many there's going to be. So, I mean, and, and that's why it's hard money you know exactly what it's worth. Yeah. Now we're going to have to go to a break here, um, but I want to come back and get more into Bitcoin itself when we get back, because I like talking about, especially like talking about how the Fed's screwing us. <laughs> I think they've been doing that yeah. for a long time, <laughs> but now it's like on steroids. So we'll be right oh, yeah. back with the uh, guy in a few minutes. So get ready for the break here. And I do, before we go to a break, I do want to tell you about a conference I do. It's called the Bit Block Boom Bitcoin Conference. It's in August, end of August every year. This will be our third or fourth year. I can't even remember, but it's a great conference. If you're interested in Bitcoin at all, check out bitblockboom.com. And we'll be right back after the other side of this commercial break with Guy Swan. See you then. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomers show with the boomer, the original Bitcoin boomer, Gary Leland. And I'm having a great conversation with Guy Swan. So make sure and tell your friends, your parents, your grandparents, anyone you know about this show. Guy, welcome back. Now, we were having a good little joust there about our money dropping in value, examples of how it had happened in, uh, in other countries and stuff. And we were talking about the U.S. dollar right now with the way the printer goes, you know, that the uh, the money printing is going off the hook. They're getting ready to do yep. another trillion at least. 
and uh, to me, my question is, if they can just print money like this and give it away, and it's good for the economy, obviously, look at the stock market, why haven't they been doing this for like 50 years if it's such a good thing to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, think about like, it's antithetical to the whole idea of what money is. Um, like, I mean, if, if that was the case, if it was good to print money and just give everybody $2,000, why wouldn't it be better to print money and give everybody $2 million? Like, what well, would, yeah, yeah, let's put it on steroids. It's a really principle. It. it works for $1 or a million. There's no like point where it's like, oh, it's best at $1,500 and then, oh, it gets bad at three. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's to completely negate what money does in a society. Money is there to act as a means of keeping tally on who is produced and who has consumed. Like if I, I mean, just think about it from the context of like, if it's voluntary trade and nobody's manipulating the money, if I save a million dollars and don't buy things with it, it means that I've produced a million dollars worth of traded value into the economy. I've produced a million TV, a million dollars worth of TVs or cars or uh, technician services, whatever it is that I've done, and I've not taken it back out of the economy. I've given a surplus to everyone else and I've not consumed it. So my life is being stolen from me. If someone is printing, is counterfeiting the money where I have to work my butt off day and night and I have to save and I have to not eat on, or not go you know, get a coffee when I want a coffee to save that money for the future so that I can consume it later. If somebody's counterfeiting and they don't have to work, they don't have to do anything, they can just, they can just consume the whole world worth of resources and never give anything back, that's, that's just theft. That's theft on an, a staggering level. The, the political privilege to print money is the privilege to consume the world while everyone else has to work for the exact same thing. There is no greater power uh, difference that could possibly exist in a modern economy. Um, and it's, it's, it's frankly, it's evil. Like it's, it's just wrong on every possible level. Well, well how is, because this is a, something a good friend of ours always says about everything, Michael Goldstein, knows Bitstein, how does Bitcoin fix this? Because as he says, everything, Bitcoin fixes it. So how does Bitcoin yeah. fix this? Everybody has to earn it. Everybody has to play by the exact same rules. There is not one exception to the Bitcoin system. Everybody plays, everybody is 100% truly before Bitcoin equal. You either have the keys to the Bitcoin or you do not. You either produce security for the network or you don't get to play. Like there is no, there is no fake way to make a Bitcoin. There is no counterfeit Bitcoin. It doesn't exist within the system. And it doesn't matter if you're the president. It doesn't matter if you're the dictator. It doesn't matter if you're the communist ruler of the whole world or just a 10 year old kid in New Guinea. You are exactly the same before the Bitcoin protocol. Now getting into that kind of statement you just made just now, talking about countries. You mm -hmm. know, the uh, statement has been made by Max Kaiser, for instance. I had him on the show not too long ago. And he mm -hmm. said that um, Iran, to get around the being locked out of the dollar is mining Bitcoin, that their hash yes. rate is moving up. And he said that Venezuela is mining Bitcoin. 
and that the rate of what their hash rate is moving up, they're going to be some of the top miners or creators or holders of Bitcoin in the very near future. And if that's the case, the United States can't sit back in other countries and let them control all the Bitcoin. What do you foresee happening in that situation? Well, the game theory in uh, that situation is really interesting because it's really a game theory where the only winning move is to play. Um, and as soon as you start getting governments that are investing in this thing and playing the game of trying to get influence over, you know, the Bitcoin network or the Bitcoin economy and trying to um, essentially the first mover advantage there is massive. You know, it's like being the first five Twitter accounts. They all end up with 20 million followers, um, except that this is the monetary equivalent. Well, that's the way all social media works. The first ones in there has 20 million followers. Communication networks. Yeah. Exactly. That's the way communication networks operate is the people who get in early benefit most from those network effects. So you could lose a huge, huge advantage at your disposal if this is an inevitable future and you don't get in until you notice everybody is in. So it becomes a game of who can get in first. Um, and with countries uh, basically using it as a tool to get around an, another, a larger country trying to dominate them or institute capital controls and uh, sanctions on them, uh, that, that's, that's not something to dismiss. Like that's not a small change in the dynamics of uh, global politics. That's a, that's a major thing if that market becomes big enough to be moving hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars in and out of those countries, that, you know, the, the, the big countries are going to have to get on board eventually. Yep. Um, it's a really interesting shift into uh, macro politics. And I agree with Guy, we got to get out, out of here. Before we do, though, where can people follow you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Crypto Economy or at Bitcoin Audible, which is just the tag for my uh, uh, podcast. Um, and you can find me at those .com domains as well, the cryptoeconomy.com and bitcoinaudible.com. And you can learn anything you want to know about Bitcoin. I've got it all. Feel free to shoot me a question too. I'm okay. Guy, thanks for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And we'll have you all yeah, again man. in the near future. Thank you, my friend. Sounds good. And uh, Take it before easy. we get out of this segment here, we should have enough time to answer one more question here. Do you have a question for me, Travi? Uh, yes, I do. We have a question from Jared in North Carolina. Wants to know, what Bitcoin wallet do you recommend? Well, there are a lot of Bitcoin wallets to choose from, but I personally use two different ones. I started with the Treasure, uh, T-R-E-Z-O-R, T-R-E-A-Z-O-R, I believe, Treasure. And now I use the Cold Card. The Treasure is good for a beginner. The Cold Card is a little bit more complicated, but it's a great wallet. It's a little bit safer. But if you're a beginner, probably an easier wallet to use is the Treasure. And let me give you a tip. Do not go to eBay. Do not go to Amazon. Do not go to someplace like that to buy your wallet. Buy your wallets from the manufacturer direct. You don't want to buy it from someone who has one for sale. Someone can open up the wallet, get the, get the information out of there, and then send it back to you, cl close it back up and send it to you. You don't want to take a chance is what I'm saying. So make sure you buy your wallets directly from the manufacturer. So those are the two I recommend is the Treasure and the Cold Card. Either one of those are a great wallet. And there are other great wallets too. I'm not saying those are the only ones. Those are the ones I'm going to recommend because those are the ones I've used. Okay. Thank you for your question. And if you do have a question, 
you'd like me to answer, send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's GaryLeland at gmail.com. And I'll try to answer it on a future episode of the Bitcoin for Boomers show. Now, I do want to make sure you know about one more show I do real quick. I do another show called The Crypto Cousins. You can find that at CryptoCousins.com. But I bring friends of mine on and we talk about Bitcoin. And usually they are friends that know a lot more about Bitcoin than I do. That's how I educate myself about Bitcoin is from bringing them on The Crypto Cousins Show. So check that out. Go to the website, CryptoCousins.com, and check that out and see what you think of that show. I have some great interviews with people on that show. Now this is going to be, we got one more segment of the show to go before we're out of here. So after this break, we're going to come back with the Bitcoin for Boomer show. And I have a little uh, article I want to read you that I try to end up the show every month, every week, every day, every time I do it with another article about Bitcoin. And I've got a great one for you this time. So we will see you right after this break. And remember, Tell everyone you know about this show. Let's spread the word about Bitcoin. That's what we really want to do. We'll be back in just a moment with the Bitcoin for Boomer show. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomer show with the boomer, the original Bitcoin boomer, Gary Leland. And I'm having a great conversation with Guy Swan. So make sure and tell your friends, your parents, your grandparents, anyone you know about this show, Guy. Welcome back. Now, we were having a good little joust there about our money dropping in value, examples of how it had happened in, uh, in other countries and stuff. And we were talking about the U.S. dollar right now with the way the printer go, you know, that the, uh, the money printing is going off the hook. They're getting ready to do yep. another trillion at least. And uh, to me, my question is, if they can just print money like this and give it away, and it's good for the economy, obviously, look at the stock market, why haven't they been doing this for like 50 years if it's such a good thing to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, think about like, it's antithetical to the whole idea of what money is. Um, like, I mean, if, if that was the case, if it was good to print money and just give everybody $2,000, why wouldn't it be better to print money and give everybody $2 million? Like, what well, would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's put it on steroids. It's a principle. Really it. it works for $1 or a million. There's no like point where it's like, oh, it's best at $1,500 and then, oh, it gets bad at three. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's to completely negate what money does in a society. Money is there to act as a means of keeping tally on who is produced and who has consumed. Like if I, I mean, just think about it from the context of like, if it's voluntary trade and nobody's manipulating the money, if I save a million dollars and don't buy things with it, it means that I've produced a million dollars worth of traded value into the economy. I've produced a million TV, a million dollars worth of TVs or cars or uh, technician services, whatever it is that I've done, and I've not taken it back out of the economy. I've given a surplus to everyone else and I've not consumed it. So my life is being stolen from me. If someone is printing, is counterfeiting the money where I have to work my butt off day and night and I have to save and I have to not eat on, or not go you know, get a coffee when I want a coffee to save that money for the future so that I can consume it later. If somebody's counterfeiting and they don't have to work, they don't have to do anything, they can just 
they can just consume the whole world worth of resources and never give anything back. That's, that's just theft. That's theft on an, a staggering level. The, the political privilege to print money is the privilege to consume the world while everyone else has to work for the exact same thing. There is no greater power uh, difference that could possibly exist in a modern economy. Um, and it's, it's, it's frankly, it's evil. Like it's, it's just wrong on every possible level. Well, well how is, because this is a, something a good friend of ours always says about everything, Michael Goldstein knows Bitstein, how does Bitcoin fix this? Because as he says, everything, Bitcoin fixes it. So how does Bitcoin yeah. fix this? Everybody has to earn it. Everybody has to play by the exact same rules. There is not one exception to the Bitcoin system. Everybody plays, everybody is 100% truly before Bitcoin equal. You either have the keys to the Bitcoin or you do not. You either produce security for the network or you don't get to play. Like there is no, there is no fake way to make a Bitcoin. There is no counterfeit Bitcoin. It doesn't exist within the system, and it doesn't matter if you're the president. It doesn't matter if you're the dictator. It doesn't matter if you're the communist ruler of the whole world or just a 10-year-old kid in New Guinea. You are exactly the same before the Bitcoin protocol. Now, getting into that kind of statement you just made just now, talking about countries, you mm -hmm. know, the uh, statement has been made by Max Kaiser, for instance. I had him on the show not too long ago. And he mm -hmm. said that um, Iran, to get around the being locked out of the dollar, is mining Bitcoin, that their hash yes. rate is moving up. And he said that Venezuela is mining Bitcoin and that the rate with their hash rate is moving up. They're going to be some of the top miners or creators or holders of Bitcoin in the very near future. And if that's the case, the United States can't sit back in other countries and let them control all the Bitcoin. What do you foresee happening in that situation? Well, the game theory in uh, that situation is really interesting because it's really a game theory where the only winning move is to play. Um, and as soon as you start getting governments that are investing in this thing and playing the game of trying to get influence over you know, the Bitcoin network or the Bitcoin economy and trying to um, essentially, the first mover advantage there is massive. You know, it's like being the first five Twitter accounts. They all end up with 20 million followers, um, except that this is the monetary equivalent. But well, that's the to, way all social media works. The first ones in there has the 20 way million followers. Communication networks. Yeah. Exactly. That's the way communication networks operate is the people who get in early benefit most from those network effects. So you could lose a huge, huge advantage at your disposal if this is an inevitable future and you don't get in until you notice everybody is in. So it becomes a game of who can get in first. Um, and with countries uh, basically using it as a tool to get around an, another, a larger country trying to dominate them or institute capital controls and uh, sanctions on them, uh, that, that's, that's not something to dismiss. Like that's not a small change in the dynamics of uh, global politics. That's a, that's a major thing if that market becomes big enough to be moving hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars in and out of those countries, that, you know, the, the, the big countries are going to have to get on board eventually. Yep. 
Um, it's a really interesting shift into uh, macro politics. And I agree with Guy. We got to get out of here. Before we do, though, where can people follow you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Crypto Economy or at Bitcoin Audible, which is just the tag for my uh, uh, podcast. Um, and you can find me at those .com domains as well, thecryptoeconomy.com and bitcoinaudible.com. And you can learn anything you want to know about Bitcoin. I've got it all. Feel free to shoot me a question too. I'm open. Guy, thanks for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And we'll have you all yeah, again man. in the near future. Thank you, my friend. Sounds good. And uh, Take it before easy. we get out of this segment here, we should have enough time to answer one more question here. Do you have a question for me, Travi? Uh, yes, I do. We have a question from Jared in North Carolina. Wants to know, what Bitcoin wallet do you recommend? Well, there are a lot of Bitcoin wallets to choose from, but I personally use two different ones. I started with the Treasure, uh, T-R-E-Z-O-R, T-R-E-A-Z-O-R, I believe, Treasure. And now I use the cold card. The Treasure is good for a beginner. The cold card is a little bit more complicated, but it's a great wallet. It's a little bit safer. But if you're a beginner, probably an easier wallet to use is the Treasure. And let me give you a tip. Do not go to eBay. Do not go to Amazon. Do not go to someplace like that to buy your wallet. Buy your wallets from the manufacturer direct. You don't want to buy it from someone who has one for sale. Someone can open up the wallet, get the, get the information out of there, and then send it back to you, cl close it back up and send it to you. You don't want to take a chance is what I'm saying. So make sure you buy your wallets directly from the manufacturer. So those are the two I recommend is the Treasure and the Cold Card. Either one of those are a great wallet. And there are other great wallets too. I'm not saying those are the only ones. Those are the ones I'm going to recommend because those are the ones I've used. Okay. Thank you for your question. And if you do have a question you'd like me to answer, send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's GaryLeland at gmail.com. And I'll try to answer it on a future episode of the Bitcoin for Boomers show. Now, I do want to make sure you know about one more show I do real quick. I do another show called The Crypto Cousins. You can find that at CryptoCousins.com. But I bring friends of mine on and we talk about Bitcoin. And usually they are friends that know a lot more about Bitcoin than I do. That's how I educate myself about Bitcoin is from bringing them on the Crypto Cousins show. So check that out. Go to the website, CryptoCousins.com, and check that out and see what you think of that show. I have some great interviews with people on that show. Now this is going to be, we got one more segment of the show to go before we're out of here. So after this break, we're going to come back with the Bitcoin for Boomer show. And I have a little... Uh, article I want to read you that I try to end up the show every month, every week, every day, every time I do it with another article about Bitcoin. And I've got a great one for you this time. So we will see you right after this break. And remember, tell everyone you know about this show. Let's spread the word about Bitcoin. That's what we really want to do. We'll be back in just a moment with the Bitcoin for Boomer show. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomer show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. And welcome back to the show. You know, at the end of the last segment, we had a question about wallets. And wallets use something called keys, private and public keys. And I wanted to kind of go over that. I saw a post that the Bitcoin is about private keys and their importance. And like I said, I just want to go over it because the self-custody of Bitcoin private keys is so important. Actually, it's so important. There's an annual event dedicated to ensuring as many people as possible maintain full control over their private keys. This event 
what's known as proof of keys, and it occurs every year on January the 3rd, and it encourages users to withdraw their Bitcoin from exchanges and put on their own wallets. Now, because private key access is necessary to ensure true ownership of Bitcoin. So what are private keys? Well, whenever a user creates a Bitcoin wallet, what they're actually doing is generating a mathematically related private and public key pair. The private keys are cryptographically sensitive part of the pair and should never, ever be shared with anyone. Whereas the public key, it's typically known as a public address because that's the one that uh, can be shared publicly and used to receive Bitcoin. Now, since the private key and public key are mathematically linked, only the holder of the private key is able to access and spend the Bitcoin received to the associated public key address. Now, while it's simple to derive the public key from the private key, it's not possible to derive the private key from the public key. So, that is what makes Bitcoin addresses practically uncrackable. It's wonderful. Now, private keys are used to sign transactions, which are then broadcast to the blockchain for processing by Bitcoin miners, okay? And once the signed transaction has been picked up by a miner and included in the block, it's irreversible, okay? And because private keys are essentially the password that allows funds to be spent, it's extremely important to keep them safe since losing the private key can mean anyone's funds on that address, it's lost and gone forever. So I hope that kind of gives you an idea of the importance of keys, public and private, and what they actually are. And like I said, don't ever share your private key with anyone. That's like sharing your password or your email. You just don't do it. You'll lose your Bitcoin. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's show and my little rant there about public and private keys. And we'll see you next